bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. I'm so excited about today's episode. We have two special guests, Dr. John Gillis and Christine Lilly. John is the founder of Leadership X, which offers executive leadership development and experiential learning programs. He's also the program director with the conference board. He's co-author of the new book, Powerhouse, 13 Teamwork Tactics that Build Excellence and Unrivaled Success, which is the primary focus of today's podcast. This book shares insights from soccer champion Christine Lilly's career about learning how high-performing teams work together on and off the field. And then there was one more special co-author for this book, actually John's wife, Dr. Lynette Gillis. So it was truly three of these individuals coming together as a team and, and creating a wonderful book. Now, a little bit about Christine. Well, you just heard she's an impressive professional athlete, which includes being an Olympic gold medalist and World Cup champion. She's an expert on effective teamwork and currently consults with organizations providing lessons from her remarkable career as a professional athlete. Welcome. So thrilled to have both of you as my guests. Thanks for having us. So before we get started, I just have to say, how cool is it that your book was released coinciding with the excitement around the recent success of the U.S. women's national team? So I want to know, how did you plan that? (laughs) Well, I think that was a good start for us by uh, making it happen right when the World Cup was happening. But I think, uh, you know, obviously the timing was to bring it out around this time because the excitement about the game of soccer and obviously the U.S. women's national team would be be there and we uh we worked hard to get this book out by may and and happy it's there and and really excited about the success of the u.s women's national team this past summer yeah it's just exciting i was just reading an article about like the enrollment for uh girls to sign up for soccer is like at an all-time high high Mm. and like so exciting for the world right yes it's so great oh So before we jump into our topic, why don't you each share just a little bit about your background and how your paths ended up crossing and writing such a wonderful book together? Yeah, so I mean, 2014, my family and I moved to Austin, Texas. I took the uh, volunteer assistant position um, there at the University of Texas. So we we packed up from Boston, moved to Austin and uh, started my coaching career down there. And in the process, my oldest started kindergarten in Austin and uh, her best friend ends up being one of John's daughters and they became buddies in kindergarten playing on the playground and then playing soccer together. And then John and I got connected because he was coaching and he's like, well, you want to help coach? I'll be, I would love to be your assistant. We joined forces and then it became a friendship and our families became close uh, along with all our kids. And in May of last year, they were here visiting. And that's when we really started to talk about writing this book um, to share the success of the U.S. Women's National Team to try to help organizations come together a bit more and and be successful together and help us just get the message out and obviously uh, do a lot of speaking um, engagements around this topic. 
for different organizations. It's been a wonderful friendship with John and his family and Lynette and the, and the kids, um, but also a lot of fun uh, working with John and Lynette on this book. And Diana, I'll just add that, you know, when we're coaching Christine and I, these four or five, six-year-old girls, you know, I was just the email guy, making sure everyone got to practice on time <laughs> and what time the game was. And here they had, you know, Christine, World Cup champion, gold medalist, coaching them soccer, but they looked better as Sydney's mom, so it was really fun. But, you know, when we had spent time together, and Christine would tell me these amazing stories about the women's national soccer team. And they were fascinating and they're fantastic. And it's not just when Christine was on it, but it was the sustained excellence. And you see it again this summer with them winning their fourth World Cup. And that's the foundation that was laid in 1991. And it's continuing. Here we are two decades later. But those lessons that she talked about were fantastic. And Diana, you and I have talked before. And we work with a lot of organizations as I go around the globe consulting with Leadership X. And yet a lot of them have good teamwork and a lot of them don't. And I was like, wow, it'd be great if we could take some of these key principles and tactics from Christine's experience and really share those with organizations and businesses so that they could apply them. Yeah, I love, love the way the book is laid out. And as you mentioned, we're both in kind of that helping leaders grow and develop and organizations achieve more. And and I think one of the best things about leadership is leading a team, especially when it's a high performing team. And mm-hmm. I, I love how you started the book and you start to, you know, talk about high performing teams and teams are all about, you know, working hard in humility and, and making sure that the team members also feel that accountability for the success of the team. And, and those of the teams I've been blessed to be able to lead, but they're not all out there. Like you said, John, there's plenty of organizations and I'm sure some of our talent champions are in some of those organizations and and it may not be their team, but it could be a team within their organization that they would like to help uh, become, you know, more effective or, or more efficient, more productive. So I'd love to just move towards what you guys have seen in organizations and how is this content helping organizations move forward? What's so inspiring for me is, you know, I, I live this by playing the sport and I've been on the U.S. team for 23 years. And during that time, you know, we didn't finish less than third place. So the success we had uh, was pretty amazing. And that's obviously why we wanted to share a lot of this with organizations out there. And I think for me, what's really neat is from what I experienced on the U.S. team, I then, along with former teammates and friends, me, him, and Tish Ventridi, we started a company called Team First Soccer Academy. And we got the name because when we were trying to figure out what we were going to call it, because basically our, our business is about going around teaching kids the game and being better teammates and better people. So when we were trying to figure out the title of our business, uh, you know, we were like, what do, what do we want to call this? Something that we all stand for. And every time we were talking about how we train and how we wanted to be better, it always was be better to make our team better. And so putting the team first always came up. I lived it and then now I'm living it on the other side of the business side of being a part of an organization. And we have 11 members of our team um, with Team First Soccer Academy. And uh, it's been really interesting to see these tactics that we share in this book and how we're how I'm trying to transcend it with within my uh, co-owners, Mia and Tish, and within our team to build a more powerful organization. And that gets uh, our message across to the kids and for people to see that this is not just a camp, this is something we really feel passionate about and lived. 
and I loved that their company was called Team First. You know, it wasn't really highlighting their names, but it was the team. And I think when we look at organizations, so many times we'll have groups of individuals that are put together and we just throw out the term team. And overall, teamwork has a very positive connotation. But yet when you really look at those groups of individuals, they're operating independently. They're not really operating as a team. And so it's what we call a Tino, a a team in name only. We throw the turn team on them, but they're not operating as a team. And that's what we really need to address. And hopefully with the 13 teamwork tactics, organizations can apply those so that they go from being a Tino to actually becoming one of those gold medal, high-performing A-teams. Yeah, I love the quote in the book you talk about just because people can wear the same jersey doesn't mean that they're a team. And I think about, you know, you have company logos and people, you know, let's all do this and, and look the same. And, you know, we'll, we'll share uh, whether it's, you know, some of the, the logo stuff or some of the tchotchkes and put them on their desk, but they don't do anything different. And it doesn't change the culture or the results, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. And I think that's what we really have to buy into and and love about what you're a part of. And that's where, you know, I think when you look at the U.S. Women's National Team, the, the success we've had is is because of that. Yeah. Not just because we wear the shirt, but we believe in it, what, what we're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Well, I love how the book is laid out. It's very easy to read, absorb. I love the soccer stories. I think it really helps to bring the concepts alive. You know, in addition to the business examples, and there's relevant research that's in there in a way that really strengthens the stories. So maybe do you want to elaborate a little bit more on why you organized the book that you, why you organized the book the way you did? I'll start off on this one. And just say that, you know, when I was listening to Christine's stories through the years, when we were together on the soccer field or at dinner together, anytime the families were together, those were sticking in my head and saying, these are great stories. And then you go to business meetings and they say that we need to be more effective storytellers to really get our point across. And I put those two together and said, here's the stories of one of the most famous, fantastic teammates ever. In, in the business world, we're saying we need to be better storytellers. So we put those together at the beginning, and then we put that research from Dr. Lynette Gillis, and we put the business anecdotes that I brought in to really take those observations of the women's national team and say, how do we apply this to a company, to a nonprofit, to a government, to a, a parent-teacher organization? any organization that has teamwork. And we submitted that to the publisher. And the publisher was great and said, this is really good. However, if the book's about teamwork, why don't we include Christine's teammates? And that was the part that was really fun. Yeah, and I think uh, what was really hard for me in the beginning writing this with John, because we knew we were going to bring the the teammates into play. And uh, we knew it was going to be a great thing but for me it was reaching out to these players because I know how busy they are they're doing many different things they're real jobs now what promoting the game or kids or whatnot so I started to text and email and say hey I'm working on this book with a friend it's about teamwork and we want to use the stories from the U.S. team we would love to interview you and every time I sent out a, a note I quickly got a response sure Lil anytime let me know time and day and I immediately was like oh I, I was relieved, but also I wasn't surprised because I, I lived my life with these these women. And, and obviously we did this on the field, but we continue to support each other off. It was so 
rewarding for me to get those responses and then share with John that I, I was like, we got them. And he's like, sweet. And then the, the icing on the cake is during these interviews, where they're about 45 minutes to an hour, most of them. We, we try to cut them off, but we, would, we could have talked forever. And the stories were like spot on. So it reiterated more that we weren't just making this book up. You know, Julie's stories to Carla's stories to Michelle's stories were similar or they were connected. It wasn't like Julie was talking about something else. And I'm like, I don't remember that. We all <laughs> remember the stories. We remember the journey together. And that really made me feel powerful about what our message from this book is we're trying to share that we were united and this is was true on you know a wonderful group of women that you know fought to be the best in the world at something and wanted to make a difference and do what, what was right in the process and i love how you i mean you use the you know the acronym uh, teams too when you broke down these 13 uh, mm-hmm. different tactics into your four areas being transform empower achieve and motivate And then can you tell us a little bit about the 13th one and what's the significance of having 13 tactics? Yeah, I'll I'll touch on that. And I have to give John all the credit for the transform, empower, achieve, and motivate. He created that, those pillars for us to get the message across using obviously the word team to make that happen. And then obviously 13, uh, for those soccer fans out there may know that that was my number. And for those that don't, now do. So 13 was the number I wore throughout my career. And obviously we wanted to play with that within the book. And uh, the 13th tactic is doing what is right. And when I look at my career or more so what my parents would teach me or what, what we, how we lived on the national team, it was always doing what was right first. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to win, but we're going to cheat and do this. We were, we were winning, we were competing and we were with integrity and, doing what was right. And so we thought overall, if you read all these different tactics in the book, the theme is, you know, the process was always doing what was right. And I think if you look at the U.S. team today and what they continue to fight for is is what is right. And uh, that message is really something we want people to keep within their teams and in their organizations to be better, but also in the components of values and morals and, you know, integrity and that really what the 13 chapter is about. At the end of uh, chapter 13, the, the former teammate of mine is Abby Wambach. And I think it's great having her presence in the book because she has done so many wonderful things on the field, but off the field as well, fighting for what she believes in. And um, obviously with her new book, Wolfpack Out, she's trying to bring people together. And it's great to have her message there that wraps up the 13 tactics of our book. And just to highlight a little bit more on this, there is a consulting company that did a report out on the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, and they talked about that they are more successful than what you just see on the field, more than the victories on the field, that they have really redefined women's role in sports and women's role in the broader context. And I think that's why the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team is so powerful. And when you look at Chapter 13 and doing what it's right, and we talk about overcoming adversity and seeking diversity and then being ethical, and no one graduates and says, hey, I'm going to go make an unethical decision, but yet we always see that in business. You open up the business news and you see unethical decisions. And Lynette had done a lot of research and preparation on ethics and how it impacts where we live. And that's where we really wanted to highlight that and give a platform for going forward on doing what is right. 
I love how you just separated it. You talked about it being the foundation for the success that a team achieves. So um, really nice job and an additional just uh, added wonderful content to uh, to the book. So it's not even over when you get to 13. There's even more, right? Yes, yeah, there is. And yeah. that, I think that's, you know, obviously the 13 going playing off my number. And then we wanted to, you know, connect the past generation of the U.S. team with with the present. You know, it's just great that they offered their insight to this book, and uh, we're really grateful for that. I think it really ties in the generations that played for the U.S. team and how this book can withstand, you know, time. It doesn't have to be read just now. I mean, later in life, when you look back on this, you're gonna, it's somehow going to connect with people, and I think that's what's great. Yeah. What I really enjoyed is, you know, somebody that has loved being part of a team and leading a team is all of the key success factors were there with explanation and as John mentioned, you know, bringing the story to life so you could really understand how this concept or tactic would come to fruition. But I really like that it's just all in one place. So to me, you guys did a great job of making it very comprehensive, as I said at the beginning, in an absorbable way. So maybe just spend in a little time, Christine, with you and just, you know, tell us a little bit about how you transitioned from this impressive career into now being a consultant for high-performing business teams since a lot of our audiences you know from time to time are transitioning well it is it's interesting and I think you know when you're an athlete playing you're you're really living in the present you're living what you're doing and sometimes you're not thinking forthhand of what's going to happen later and in the beginning years I was so young when I was on the team at 16 that my thought process was really just what I was doing and to see what would happen next. Who knows if how long I was going to be on that team. And then as you get older and you transition to, you know, being a a veteran on their team or graying in the business world, you start to think, okay, well, what am I going to do? (laughs) (laughs) What's what's the next steps now? And I think these, these players now are are ahead of the game of when I was on the team playing, but then I, then I continue to share what I lived on that team and not only just teaching the game. I love, I love going out and coaching young kids and sharing the love and passion I had for the game and teaching them to be better players, better people, good teammates. And then um, I end up talking to so many people and sharing the stories and I just see their eyes light up a bit and like, Oh, this is so great because I do love sharing the story. And I think the message is important. And I think sharing the, the stories um, that are in the book, but also additional stories. When I speak, people are like, wow. And then they can maybe look, go back to their desk and be like, oh, right. I got Sarah over here to the right. I wonder, you know, maybe I'm just going to give her a high five today. You know, and, and that may seem so silly, but it's so simple that it changes people's uh, perspective on their day. On the sports field, obviously it does in many ways. So I think for me, just coming into this book and having more of a platform and to connect with organizations and speak on behalf of my experiences, it has been fun and and a learning process and one that I continue to grow as a a speaker um, about Powerhouse. Yeah. And it, and it was so interesting to read it from my perspective, definitely more of a business person, never played on teams, but have been on some phenomenal work teams. And it was like it was written for the business. So that's that's what I love. And some of the nuances, like you mentioned, high five, you know, communicating with the team, which came under helping them achieve even more, to me is, is such a critical piece that 
leaders just overlook and they're wondering why, you know, the team isn't as engaged or motivated. And it's just small things. And in thinking about when you watch teams play, they don't wait till they hit a goal and celebrate. They're they're giving each other the motivation all along the way. And how can we create that environment more in work teams, in organizations is something when I'm consulting with leaders, I'm constantly talking to them about. Yeah. And I think what the other element we sometimes forget or lose is a little bit is just fun. I mean, work should be fun. I mean, granted, there is a little more work business out there, a little high more pressure that you feel like, oh, you can't even smile. But I think if we remember to enjoy what we're doing and and enjoy the people we're doing it with, um, it seems like a better process as well. Yeah, I agree. So is there something that translates from your soccer experience, you know, into coaching and consulting with these business leaders that people are surprised to learn about? I think the one thing that people may not overly be surprised, but just be like, wow, that's cool, is that even high level athletes have moments of doubt, have moments of nerves or have moments of lack of confidence, but then they find ways to, to make it better. And in the same aspect, these same high-level athletes can dominate at the highest and most pinnacle point in the game to be successful. And I think that separates the elite and the great from the average and good. And I think those kind of stories, I think, kind of open people's eyes up because they want to hear they, – they see it on the field, but they want to hear like, oh, when I was walking up to that penalty – kick in the 1999 World Cup after Brian had made the save and if I score up a goal they want to know what I was thinking they know what they're thinking (laughs) but they want to know what I was thinking and those are kind of anecdotes that as athletes you can share with people that even if you're not a a sports fan but you happen to be watching some event and you see someone competing you're always wondering I mean I I listen to some great singers and I'm always like oh my gosh how, how does it make them feel to be out there I know how the music makes me feel so I think that's an element that um brings to life a lot and that some people just can't relate to because they haven't been in those positions. Yeah. And it makes you more human and too. And just to build upon that really quick, in chapter 12, we talk about uh, the mental aspect. And I think Christine's hit on that so much here. And we interviewed Dr. Colleen Hacker, who is the mental skills coach. And Christine can talk a lot about what Hack did for the team. But from a business perspective, you look at coaching and you look at mentoring and you look at management that's really engaged and not just setting goals, but actually inspiring and developing their direct reports. And I think there's a gap there, Diana, that the coaching that we have out there is good, but do enough people get the coaching that really help on the mental preparation and the mental performance there in the work environment? And I think what we see in sports is there's been a large shift to more of that mental coaching and preparation and mental performance. And I I think that that's where we really need to go with organizations, really helping people that have the technical, tactical skills to run a business to really help them up their level with the mental aspect. I, I think that's such an excellent point. The, the other piece that I see 
that I think is such a great crossover to athletes too is having the stamina to keep going. So, I mean, I have never seen some of the, well, I can't say never, but it's a trend, you know, that everybody is expected to be more agile and the environment is moving very quickly. Businesses are moving quickly. And, you know, there's long days, long weeks, months, years, and people get tired. And when they get tired and they don't show up and do their best, their team suffers, the company suffers. So I think this aspect of being a top notch athlete and what do you do to take care of your body so that you can show up and be strong and be mentally agile and be able to keep up and to, you know, have that passion and energy. What kind of advice would you give to some of our talent champions and the leaders they're coaching to step back and look at how they can take care of themselves a little bit better so that they can be a stronger leader? What's great about everything you're saying is really how do you motivate people when things are, are rough or tired or, you know, and we all hit those points in our stage uh, stages and job and life and really what keeps player people coming back. And, uh, you know, that's the fourth pillar of our book and motivate, you know, the last bit of those chapters, you got chemistry, cultivating your ethos and seizing a winning mentality. And when I think about this area, and the longevity that I have had on the, on the team and people are like, well, why'd you keep playing? And I was like, basically I, I did, I did love what I was doing, but I also love the people I was doing it with. And when I was struggling, it was the people around me that created that environment to keep me going. And when days were rough, cause they were, you, you had others to lean on. You'd come together and you find little bits and pieces of each other to lift up when it wasn't going well. Um, that's when you had each other. And I think that's where we miss a bit outside the sports world that we lean on each other. Cause sometimes it's, it shows that you're vulnerable and it does, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Show a little weakness because that is what makes us stronger. And um, when you're surrounded by people that you trust and respect that it is a little bit easier to feel vulnerable and that it's a little bit easier to reach out for help. And uh, that's what this environment on the team created. And I think a little bit of, um, burnout comes in the sports world along with burnout and work. And I think you have to find that balance of, okay, maybe, you know what, today's the day we get out, you get, a, you get an hour and a half lunch and you're going to, you know, walk with someone or I don't know, create an environment where it's fun or like, okay, you know, there's going to be um, wheel of fortune in the room today, you know, something just breaks people's mindset to have uh, a break. And I think, you know, we needed that on the national team when we'd have days where we were just training for three weeks and we're like, coach, we're burned out. And that's maybe he say, okay, you guys have the day off, but you have to go play putt-putt miniature golf together. You got to do something together, but off the field. So those are ways that you can create that team um, chemistry and the environment that's outside of what you're doing and keep bringing the group together. One of the keys there is, investing in that culture and the friendships and the ethos and that environment of the team before that stress or the mm-hmm. burnout or the yeah. major deliverable or deadline comes that it's not something you take care of or address at that moment after that situation's occurred, but it's pre-investing in the teamwork and everything so that you can have it built up and really the capacity to make it through those tough times. 
No, I think those are excellent points, you know, really investing in the environment and the trust before, you know, things break down, because inevitably things do break down. But if you have a better culture, you can recover from them. And then just creating these breaks, you know, whether it's for the team and doing something else, or, you know, as I coach my executives, it's like creating a break, you can't leave work and then go home and do work until the minute you try to go to sleep, and then your mind doesn't turn off is how do you create a break and get away from from it so that you can come back with a renewed perspective and different point of view and just some additional energy. All right. So John, we can't let you get off the phone without tapping into your wisdom. You have such an extensive and such an impressive consulting background with so many different global companies. Uh, As things are changing and evolving right now, what kind of challenges are you seeing out there that our talent champions are dealing with? Does anything come to mind? Well, you mentioned global, and I think that when you look at the global teams and you look at the digital connections and you look at the cross-cultural teams that we have, but different cultural variations, and are we sharing better practices? or those cultural variations creating boundaries. And I think that that's a new dynamic that's just going to continue to amplify as the world gets more and more flat. And, you know, I looked at Christine and you look at women's soccer and we have more and more players playing on international teams, like in the professional league and also Christine going over to Sweden and playing and just the small cultural variations that you've got to be up front on the differences of teamwork, whether it's time zones or cultures or languages or whatever those expectations are, because every team has different cultural variations and you need to understand those differences up front so that they don't cause conflict later on down the road. So I think really taking a proactive approach on these global teams when we're getting the best talent available, even if it is somewhere halfway around the world, but knowing how to use the digital tools to work effectively across those dispersed teams. That's where I think talent champions really got to focus in on, on effective teamwork today. Yeah. Excellent point. Might have to have, have you come back for a follow-up. I think that could be a whole session, you know? (laughs) No. Okay. Well, one of the things I love to do is just to ask each of my guests because, you know, our audience loves to get to know our leaders a little bit more and and the talent that's out there and that they're learning from is, so maybe you each take a turn and tell us about one person who's had the greatest impact on your professional life and that you wouldn't be where you are today without that person's influence. Whoa. Well, this one is easy in a sense for me because my brother teases me all the time uh, that he's taught me everything and I owe him everything. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. My brother, Scott, I do have to uh, give a huge shout out and thanks to him. I mean, he's four years older than me. And I think the one, I mean, he did many things for me besides beat me up all the time, but he did make me tough is he let me play. And I, what I mean by that, when I was young, and I was four years younger, and a little sister, and he's going off to play football or something with his friends or soccer, whatever it is, I'd always want to tag along. And he always let me. And I think he was the first lesson in that sense where I felt like I could do anything because it wasn't like, no, you can't, you're a girl, we're going to be, you know, it was never, it was never any of that. And he had one rule, and the one rule was you can't cry. So I was like, <laughs> 
okay, I'm not going to cry. You know, and you know, I mean, how many times I wanted to cry, whether because I lost or I, you know, I didn't do something right, but I held my tears in. I'm really grateful for that lesson he gave me and, and then the opportunity to be able to play the sports with, with him and his friends. Oh, great story. How about you, John? You know, it's hard to name one. And as Christine was talking, and I love the sibling connection. So I do love that one. But I look at back at my career, at the opportunities that I've had. And I go back to high school where my high school teachers, Terry Ham and Gene Wyatt, gave me the opportunity through student council to really understand teamwork and understand leadership. And then I look after I graduated undergrad. And Dub Oliver gave me a graduate assistantship to get my MBA, and he's now a university president, but he pushed me and pushed me to be a better leader and team member. And then I look at when I graduated from there, and it's Dick Phelps that gave me the opportunity to be a consultant at IBM and give me an opportunity to travel the world and work for amazing companies. And then finally, it was a excellent friend and a colleague and a peer, Raj Ramachandran, who me to apply to do my doctoral program at University of Pennsylvania and give me that opportunity. So I look at four times in my career where people invested in me by giving me an opportunity and that provided learning and growth development opportunities. Yeah. Some wonderful lessons, you know, having leaders and being the kind of leader that invests in your people and pushes them to do more. You know, one of my best, my favorite quotes is the one about the fabulous leader, a great leader gets people to go places that they wouldn't normally go or they wouldn't go without that leader's influence. And I think that's one of the key things that leaders do in a way that people are inspired and everything you both have brought up and with the right environment and motivated and all of that. And, and the wonderful advice, especially to women, no crying. So <laughs> <laughs> fun, fun stuff. So, so what final piece of advice do you have for our, our talent champions? Well, I think, you know, messages I send to you, my young, young players that I coach is obviously we have to work hard. I mean, in, in life, there's nothing that's given to you. So the most important thing is to work hard. And then there's work hard and then work harder because there's always another level. And I think what I learned on the U.S. team, there was no never any complacency out of any, anyone because if you became complacent, you were going to lose your, your position. So it was always pushing to be better. And then the other message for the young young players or just people – Focus on two strengths that you have, and you've got to have them. There are definitely uh, two strengths that you have, whether it is your fit, you can have a, be a good passer, whether it's your smart, your tactic, um, maybe it's one that you're on time, but something that really is something that makes you feel good. Because if you work on a couple of those strengths, you're going to feel good, you're going to feel stronger, you're going to feel more confident. And then when you have the confidence, then all the other stuff you can start to build on. And that's kind of what I try to share with my young players um, that I coach um, but then also when I do different talks with people about feeling um, a part of something and feeling better about themselves. I love those. Diana, I'm going to highlight that when we were putting together this book on teamwork, you know, one of the most popular books on teamwork was Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. that came out in 2002, so 17 years ago. But in that book, he said one of the ultimate competitive advantages for a company is teamwork because it was both powerful and it's rare. 
And I think that that's where we're struggle today, that we know teamwork's good. We know that it's powerful. We know that it can help our organizations achieve a high-performing status. But yet it continues to be rare because we don't have the tactics to go and apply it. We have them, but we don't, we don't work on it. We don't practice. We don't prepare. We don't develop those tactics. So as talent champions out there, how can we take our organizations and say, we have got to invest in teamwork because this is a competitive advantage that's going to make a difference for us? Great advice. I love, you know, teamwork being tied to the competitive advantage that truly can make a difference. And I think for those of us that are leading teams today and have had the chance to lead teams in the past, we'll buy into that 100%. And if there's people out there that are a little skeptical and not sure that, you know, a team makes it easier is, you know, read the book, talk to effective team leaders and learn from that. I, I think one of the challenges, and I look at my nephew, you know, he's he's 19 years old now and he's a, a manager at a pool and he's over these lifeguards and some of the life lessons he's learning today, I'm so proud of him, but you learn them by going through them and having people around you that give you that feedback to help you get better. And that's where I think your book gives some great feedback and try some things out. And yes, you might not be successful in all areas, but you're going to grow and you're going to learn and you'll improve. So it's been such a pleasure to have both of you as uh, our guests and really looking forward to our audience getting and reading the book and applying it. And so my last question is, how can our audience get in touch with you guys and learn more? Thank you so much for having us and you know, sharing our book with your audience. Uh, we hope they enjoy it. Um, I mean, I have my website, christinelily13.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at christinelily and Instagram. And there's always different um, links you can link on to reach out to me for um, business speaking engagements or other engagements. And obviously you can get the book on Amazon or any local bookstore as well. And uh, our website is johngillisjr.com. At the top of the website, there's a sign up for leadership expressions, and we send out a weekly uh, quick blog that's meant to be insightful and thought provoking. Um, so if you could sign up for that, that'd be great. JohnGillisJr.com. But Diana, thank you so much for inviting us on the Talent Champions podcast. Oh, you guys are so welcome. And I would end with this last thing because I thought it was so impressive. Your dedication to the book is not only to Christine's teammates, but to one of her coaches that was known for saying, I love my job. And I think about how cool it would be for leaders to be saying that more often, like, I love my job because I have a great team and it really is performing at the highest level. So I just thought that was a beautiful way to dedicate the book. Yes, thank you. He was he was a wonderful, wonderful man and a wonderful coach. Thank you again. Thank you. Here are some key takeaways from today's episode. Teamwork is a competitive advantage. If you aren't investing in building strong winning teams, you're missing a critical success factor for your organization. Just because people wear the same jersey doesn't mean they're a team. A group of individuals who are all working hard but operating independently is a team in name only. Taking those high-performing individuals and applying teamwork tactics will take them from good to great. Leaders of high-performing teams lead with humility, and team members are accountable for the success of the team. 
By operating ethically and unifying behind an inspiring vision or mission, you can motivate people to pull together and win. One of my favorites, celebrate successes, even the small ones. Informal recognition and encouragement can go a long way to creating a positive, motivating environment. While not every moment may be fun, people should enjoy their work overall. Even top-ranked athletes have moments of doubts, just like high-level leaders. Being able to push through and move past self-doubt is one of the things that separates the great from the average. Leaders also need to practice regular self-care, just like athletes, to ensure they have the stamina to perform day in and day out. As much as possible, foster a sense of camaraderie and mutual trust on your team. The interpersonal relationships will help people keep going when times are tough. Join us in two weeks when we'll be tackling another important aspect of leading high-performing teams, which is giving and receiving feedback. Go to our website, talent-champions.com, and click on subscribe to receive an email notification when the next episode is released. Thank you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.